0: It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading
1: now.
2: And welcome back to DECAL Download. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, along with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, as you know, DECAL is the state agency that licenses and regulates child care programs in Georgia using a system that focuses on certain core rules within 15 categories, ranging from diapering and discipline to supervision, transportation, and criminal records checks. Based on research, the core rules represent critical areas to consider when determining compliance and the impact on the health and safety of children. But how much do you know about the core rules? Commissioner, today we get a refresher course.
3: Well, I think it's a great time uh, to do it for sure. And the core rules are the most important rules for health and safety. You know, there are a lot of child care licensing rules, um, but these are the most important. And so it'll be good to talk to our experts in CCS about
2: those. They deal with them every day. And uh, I have a world of appreciation for how they retain all of this knowledge. And sometimes they change a little bit. We tweak them from time to time. So We'll talk a little bit about that too. Here to talk about core rules and their importance in keeping our children healthy and safe is Pam Stevens, Deputy Commissioner for Child Care Services here at DECAL. Shannon Carroll is Technical Assistance Coordinator for Child Care Services, and Morgan Stahl, one of our CCS consultants. Ladies, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having Thank us.
2: Thank you. So, Pam, CCS conducts thousands of visits to child care programs, this year both in person and virtually, uh, to ensure that child care providers are following these core rules. They cover a lot, and, and they're based on research.
4: Right, so all of our rules are important. I mean, you know, we have no random rules in child care. They're all important. They're all very meaningful, but the core rules are rules that focus very directly on the health and safety of children and impact health and safety very clearly like i said directly you know we have some rules that have more to do with record keeping and that sort of thing and again important you know those things i don't want to minimize how important those things are but the core rules are the ones again that are most impactful and um, because of that you know we had to develop a system where those rules could be identified because again they're not all created equal and so that's how you know that's how it came about you know through lots of work with researchers and focus groups and getting the childcare community involved um, this is this is what we came up with and it's fluid i mean it, it, we we have made changes over the years as well to make sure that it's relevant and that we're serving the families and children of Georgia the best that we can
3: so three of the newer core rules are equipment and toys license capacity and staff compliance with applicable laws can you explain those to us
0: absolutely The core rule category for equipment and toys is really in regard to securing furniture and equipment. Uh, Furniture and equipment should be secured if it is of a weight or a mass that could cause injury if it's tipping over, falling, being pulled, or being pushed over. Injuries occur when children climb onto, when they fall against, or pull themselves up on things like televisions, uh, bookcases, and dressers. In some cases, these heavy objects like televisions and aquariums are placed on top of furniture and tip over and really have caused a lot of fatal injuries due to that. And so securing the, and organizing this potential heavy equipment is critical in, in ensuring children are safe in childcare programs. So we need to really ensure that equipment and furniture is secured to the wall or to the floor or other equipment if it poses as a tip over hazard. In reference to your uh, second core rule category, which is license capacity. This is really in reference to the center having 35 square feet of usable space per child. We observe the number of children present in each room and check against that assigned capacity for that room. The intent of this rule really is to ensure that the indoor environment provides adequate space for growth and development and the freedom of movement and exploration for children in that classroom. And the last piece you mentioned was staff compliance with laws. Now, that really is in reference to staff not committing any type of criminal act in the presence of children in care. This includes all criminal acts um, under Georgia law. That's misdemeanors and felonies. So the intent of this rule is really to protect the health and well-being of all children present in the center. And an example of this is if the, the center transports children, it could be the driver is issued a traffic citation when the children are present on that vehicle.
2: All right. Thanks, Shannon. That's great mm-hmm. to, to know. Um, now, we inspect each uh, licensed child care program at least twice a year, more if needed, based on complaints. They're given a status of good standing, support, and deficient. In these inspections, core rules are ranked medium, high, or extreme. Can, can you explain that?
0: Yes, I will take that one. Um, Core rules are really evaluated by child care consultants during every single licensing visit. Each time a core rule is cited, it is actually ranked as low, medium, high, or extreme and is assessed based on the the compliance of the program may be impacted by that. A core rule reference chart is a tool that we use that identifies those core rules and provides guidance on that severity level of whether it is a low, medium, high, or extreme rating.
3: So in the average inspection of a childcare program, what are some of the more common rule violations that you see and what are the most common areas for needs improvement, that needs improvement category?
0: That's also a great question. Um, Last fiscal year our number one cited core role was playgrounds and that came in at 42 percent of our violations for the year. Specifically playground violations um, were fencing citations and general hazards on the playground Another common core rule citation for um, child care centers was physical plant hazards. And those are, that came in at 24% of our cited um, violations for last year. Those are things such as cleaning supplies, chemicals, and anything bearing that label, keep out of reach of children, um, was also ranked there. And then for our family child care learning homes, the number one cited rule last year was actually training. Um, And then another um, high-ranking citation for family was also playgrounds coming in at 19% of the citations.
2: Hmm. Shannon, you said 42% on playgrounds? Yes, for
0: centers, yes.
2: Right, that's interesting. Um, So when an inspection is completed, our our consultants go into uh, the child care programs. Right now, we're doing a lot of virtual uh, inspections. How soon before the provider gets a report or feedback?
1: Well, if you're doing an in-person visit, the um, provider can expect to get their visit upon the completion of the visit and following a virtual inspection, the provider should expect to have feedback during and immediately following the visit. And once the virtual visit is completed, the consultant will type up the visit and the provider should receive it the same day or the following business day.
2: You know, I always explain to people, we call them consultants because instead of inspectors because there is an inspection element to it, uh, but then you're sitting down with them and actually giving them feedback on how they can improve. I think that's something maybe people don't understand that, uh, that we do.
1: Absolutely. So when you're walking through, so for virtual visits right now as the provider walks through the program, if the consultant observes anything that they're seeing the program do well, they will um, comment on that as well as provide feedback to anything that they might see that can be improved.
3: talk a little bit about how long an average inspection of a childcare program takes we do at least two a year and so i know that's a, a over 10 over 10,000 a year how long does it take for each visit
1: well for for monitoring visits when we're only looking at core rules and following up to any previously cited rules those in person could range two two and a half three hours licensing studies can sometimes at very large childcare programs be an all-day affair um, and family programs are obviously um, take a little less time because it's a smaller environment for virtual visits which we're mostly doing right now um, they can expect the virtual visit to last one to two hours and that's highly depending on your internet connection so to ensure that your visit goes smoothly and as quickly as possible ensure that you have a strong internet connection and a reliable device prior to the inspection
2: you know uh, shannon and morgan we've had pam on to talk about virtual inspections the commissioner actually uh went along on one of those virtual inspections not long ago to kind of see (laughs) how that's going. We'll ask the two of you, how do you think the process is going?
0: We've gotten some really good feedback so far from providers. I think initially there was some fear there. I think that we're all kind of just getting used to it together um, as it takes a little time and we we figured it out together. Um, So we're excited that we're able to do that in this format during this time.
2: Yeah. Are we still getting into the complaints about the Blair Witch Project uh, because people are you know, walking <laughs> us through with their phones and iPads and computers?
1: I haven't, heard, I haven't heard any Blair Witch Project complaints here lately, um, but I think I think the programs are actually really enjoying it because they get that one-on-one time
2: mm. with
1: us done safely, and the kids are really enjoying seeing somebody's face that they don't see on a daily basis <laughs> walking through the room, and they love to talk to us and ask the provider what they're doing, and we'll talk back, so I think they're enjoying it.
2: Oh, i love it we need to video some of this sometime and and share it it's like virtual visitors you know they're probably excited yeah to see somebody new say that again pam
4: oh so this is a good time to give a shout out to the providers who have had to adapt so quickly to this i mean you know again when typically a visit happens they can for the most part go about their business while the consultant is in the program but for this they have to they have to be a tour guide of their program and walk around and show them everything, and so they have to arrange for you know additional help to be there and just you know it, it's been a big stretch for them and a big stretch for, for the CCS staff as well. And it's amazing to me that in this amount of time we were able to completely adapt. You know the t- child care community and the child care services staff. Um, I just think it's worth mentioning you know, that we didn't miss a beat in making sure that we were doing what we are mandated to do. And that is to make sure that we're supporting and uh, inspecting child care programs,
2: So yeah. it's
4: kind of, you know, everybody can rest assured that that stuff is happening.
2: Yeah. Amazing work on both sides, the providers and our team and being so flexible, but uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge when you've never done something like this before. And I, I think people appreciate that. Um, So on the core rules, how do they come into play when someone, let's say, calls us or emails to complain uh, with a concern about a program?
0: Yes, um, our intake uh, unit ensures that customers who call the office, whether it be the intake line, email, or even a fax comes in, they're going to receive some prompt courteous service with good, correct information being given out, sometimes like you mentioned the calls that come in are from the public that may have a concern and the intake consultant actively listens to the caller and really asks questions to clarify and gain more needed information to make a determination at that point if there is a potential allegation should be entered for complaint what we're really listening for is potential rule violations which include both core rules and non-core rules and if the are potential core rules or non-core rules allege, then the caller must, has to have that first-hand knowledge of the situation and then an intake can be generated off that.
3: Well at DeCal, we license both child care learning centers and family child care learning homes. Are the core rules different for those two types of programs?
1: that is a great question and the core rules for child care learning centers and family child care learning homes are basically the same the same across the board but there's some different wording and different names for the rules so for example a core rule for family child care learning homes is overcrowding and for centers that rule would be reflected as license capacity so if a um classroom is licensed for 25 children and they have 30 children in that room that rule would be reflected under license capacity and if the family child care provider is caring for more than six children Other than their two hours for 25 square feet, that would be reflected under overcrowding. Um, And some of the core rules are evaluated differently for centers and for families. Um, Some examples for that would be for transportation. Childcare centers are required to keep transportation logs to document each time children are um, getting on and off the vehicle and signing off that the vehicle has been checked following transportation, but family providers are not required to do so. Um, And then another one's for diapering, childcare centers are required to have a sink adjacent to their diapering area, but for family providers where they have their changing area is not, they're not required to have an adjacent sink.
2: So providers should be very familiar with the core rules, um, but would it also be a good idea for parents to be familiar with these?
0: absolutely yes um, a program's compliance with the core rules is really directly related to that that program's health and safety in care uh, core rules are evaluated like i mentioned earlier by the child care consult consultants during every single visit to keep children in safe and healthy environments and of course you can view those core rules on our website if you look at our child care center and our family child care learning home rule books um, choosing a child care program it is a very important decision for a parent. I know I have three children of my own. I understand that. That is that's something that's so important. And re- research really does show that high quality early care and education really makes children better prepared for school.
3: So we have a lot of new guidance and regulations specifically related to COVID-19. Is that part of the core
1: rules? Well, fortunately, child care learning centers and family child care learning homes are doing a lot of the, a lot of things on a daily basis that are required by the COVID nineteen guidance, such as frequent hand washing. Um, and so, the COVID nineteen guidance is an excellent document that's used to ensure programs are in compliance with the most up to date executive orders. And while the COVID nineteen checklist is not directly related to the core rules, many of our core rules go hand in hand, which with, with the guidance, such as hand washing and license capacity.
2: And we know the old expression may say, spare the rod, spoil the child. But in the area of discipline, um, <laughs> how is physical punishment addressed in our core rules?
0: Yes. Um, So, our discipline rules do address physical punishment and state that disciplinary actions used to correct a child's behavior cannot be detrimental to the child's physical or the mental health of any any child in care. So, actions such as corporal punishment, shaking, rough handling a child is prohibited by our rules. We really encourage redirection and positive guidance techniques to really guide and support the well-being of every child
3: and care and Shannon I'm putting you on the spot here but since you are um, part of the technical assistance (laughs) that's provided I'm assuming that y'all would provide technical assistance on that if providers have um, Mm -hmm. questions or don't know exactly how to do that redirection
0: right we definitely can provide some supports around that and also we have a fantastic inclusion (laughs) unit here at DCAL (laughs) if there is some uh, additional supports they may need we definitely would refer them out to our inclusion team
3: excellent we also have uh, and require um, staff to child ratios, depending on the age of the child, one to six for infants, and up to one to 20 with five-year-olds. What happens with mixed age groups? How does that work with staff to child ratios?
1: This is a very frequently asked question with a very long answer. So please <laughs> <laughs> stay with me because it's very different, but depending on the type of program. So. For our Child Care Learning Center rules for programs with the capacity of 19 or more children, um, children two and under can be combined and children three and up can be combined. So if at any time you have mixed ages, if more than 20% of the children in the classroom are the younger age, you must follow the ratio of the younger age group. So for example, if you have 12 children in a classroom age, one to two, and there are three one year olds in the classroom, (laughs) you would be required to follow the one to eight ratio. (laughs) For centers also they are allowed to combine all ages in the first hour of operation and the last hour of operation. So that can be from infants to school-aged children and in that time then you would have to follow the ratio of the youngest child in that group during the first and last hour of the day. There, and so then, for centers with a capacity of, 18, I understood that. Do we have to continue? <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. There's more. I know it's very. This is a question I get all the time, and we um, it takes a lot of spelling out um, for providers because that 20. percent I'm not a math person, so I get it. Um, really comes into play. Um, so for programs with 18 or fewer children groups of children under three should follow the ratio of the youngest child in the group. And if you're caring for, so if you're caring for infants and two-year-old children, the ratio should be one to six, so the infants. And then for three and up that are combined, the age of the majority of the children determines the staff-to-child ratio. So if you have mostly three-year-olds, then the ratio would be one to 15. Now for families... (laughs) if um, providers are required to have a helper whenever more than three children under the age of 12 months are present, more than six children under the age of three years are present, or more than eight children under the age of five are present.
2: So good example of how are the rules different between child care and uh, family child care (laughs) learning centers. right? Absolutely,
4: it's also a good example of, how the rules are actually reasonable to You know, they're there to protect the children, but we also try to do what makes sense. It makes sense not to compare, not to combine infants and toddlers with preschoolers because their needs are so different. Right. But it also makes sense to during that first and last hour of the day, when there are very few children there, we understand it's a business, we understand how that looks. So if my program opens at 6 a.m., from six to seven, I have very few children there. So for us to have everybody one child in each room, it makes no sense. So it's it's I think it's to me an example of how our rules take into consideration above all else the health and safe, health and safety of children. But we also understand how programs operate.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And we
1: try to be reasonable and make sure that it makes sense in the real world as well.
2: Right. Yes. That's right. important.
1: And then- and, you know, we understand that, it, especially in child care, the turnover rate sometimes can be a little high and people have, you know, things come up, people are sick. So you have that um, ability. So if your one-year-old teacher calls out, you have that ability to put those ones and twos together um, for some flexibility so you can sh- ensure that all your rooms are staying within ratio.
2: And yet still understanding the health and safety needs uh, of, the, of the children. That's great. Um, so can child care programs receive additional guidance and support on all of the rules and regulations, the COVID-19 guidance? Do they get that through technical assistance virtually?
0: Yes, um, they absolutely can. Um, the Child Care Services Division has a specialty unit, which is called the Technical Assistance Unit, and we provide support and guidance on the rules and the regulations and the COVID-19 guidelines for family child care providers and for centers as well and they can reach out to us um, through our mailbox which is ccs.ta at decal.ga.gov we would love to hear from them
2: great good to know a lot of information and um you know i was listening to morgan uh telling about the um the ratios, staff-child ratios, and and she was kind of like one of those uh, advertisements where they go, but wait, there's more.
1: <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thank you guys so much for the update. I hope this was great for our whole team and uh, any of the, the providers and advocates and other folks that might be listening. Where should they go for more information or if they uh, have a question we did not cover today? Maybe just an email address, I guess. That, um, Absolutely. If,
4: um, Go ahead,
0: Shannon. Well, I was going to share. They can definitely send that over to the TA unit. We can definitely get that answered. Um, again, that that uh, email address is ccs.ta at decal.ga.gov.
2: All right. Very good. Ladies, we appreciate your work day in and day out, making sure our kids are healthy and safe using the core rules. Um, Thanks so much for everything you're doing and particularly the flexibility um, of this COVID time. Hopefully we'll all be back together again uh, where we can see each other and discuss things like this.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Rich. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, I'm Jerica Davis and I work in the Child Care Services Division here in Brunswick. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is... What was your favorite holiday tradition growing up as a child? And have you incorporated that into your family as an adult?
3: Jerrica, thank you for that question. And uh, one of my um, best memories from growing up was riding the pink pig, which I think we've talked about this before. I know Reg and I have talked about it. Um, it was a great tradition at the richest downtown. Um, you got to overlook animals. And so we did that every year. I had a cousin that took me to ride that every year. Now the Pink Pig is not the same, but it's still an Atlanta tradition in the parking lot of Lenox Square Mall. Um, But we do take my children to ride that um, every year. So that tradition uh, continues, even though it's not the same, but it's still a tradition for us. Love the Pink Pig.
2: Yeah. It's a golf cart now, basically. (laughs) It's a big golf cart. And you know what? Downtown Riches, man, I mean, what a legacy. I I really feel sorry for people that missed out on that because I I don't know if we'll ever return to that uh, in our lifetime. If we'll ever return to a, uh, not just a big box store, this was a downtown multi-level building in downtown Atlanta with a, a little uh, you could go there and, and there's a little uh, tea shop or whatever, you know, where you could go have lunch. And, yeah, we used to do that all the time. Even drive it in from Rockdale County. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to go downtown Rich's, yeah. But, okay, it is a nice tradition. It's There's some um, resemblance to it uh, in what you see now at Lenox, but it's not exactly the same. It's also Macy's.
3: Um, That's right. Now, That's so. right.
2: Well, it'll be here before you know it. Time to go back. And it's time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the Decal Download Quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers received to this question. What is the number of categories within the core rules? What is the number of categories, total number of categories within the core rules? Send your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. We put all the correct answers together, draw one name, and give you a nice prize. Thanks for playing, and good luck.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at
4: decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram,
1: YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.